podcast land here. Such a down once again to Combat Sports with Rhino. Episode 150. Yay! Woo! Big 150. All right. My guest a little bit later on going 10 rounds with Rhino is Rave CF Bantamweight. Jose Shorty Torres. He is so fun. He is so cool. It's such an awesome interview. Can't wait for you guys to check that one out a little bit later on. So our intro and as intro and schedule is as follows. So we are just going to, uh, I want to start this week by just saying, just thank you. Thank you to everybody who is involved in the show, who's ever been involved in the show, who listens to the show, who retweets the show, everything to do with it. I couldn't do it without you guys. You guys are also awesome. The Rhino gang, 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 gang. Thank you all very much. I love you. All right, so on this show, we're going to have our UFC Vegas 64 breakdown. Drea's drop of the night, picks for UFC 281, Q&A with some members of the Rhino gang, and then the aforementioned 11-1-1, UFC vet, Brave CF, uh, current bantamweight, Jose Shorty Torres is going 10 rounds with Rhino. It's super awesome. So, Drea, without further ado, let's get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. UFC Vegas 64 took place last night, and possibly, thank you very much, champ, that he was very <laughs> excited about the card as well, apparently, so it was one of those cards that everybody shit on, everybody was like, oh, there's no names, and again, as that often happens, turned out to be a really fun card, just full of finishes, so our first fight was Ramona Pascal versus Tamirez Vidal uh, at 135 pounds, hard left hand, some knees to the body by Pascal, uh, Tamirez was really um, just kind of waiting in the in the you know in that crouch position, ready to fucking unleash. And when she did, she really did a beautiful flying switch knee to the body, put Ramona down and out. Vidal got the big win, TKO in the first round for her. Moving into one twenty-five, we had Jake Hadley uh, and Carlos Candelario. Both guys had a really fun first round. I mean, they were just fucking throwing everything, leg kicks, punches, combinations, body kicks. Really, really fun first round. Uh, in the second round, there was a takedown for Carlos, and then uh, Jake threw a triangle attempt up, and then he was throwing some really nice elbows from the bottom. And then once he readjusted, he really got that triangle into, into the correct position, got the submission to the second round for Jake Hadley over Carlos Candelario. Moving into 135, we had Johnny Munoz Jr. versus Ludovic Shaunilan, I think. <laughs> some <laughs> nice jabs to the body from Munoz and some nice leg kicks early. There was a late round uh, combo for Munoz. Basically, dude, this one was Munoz landing all kinds of shit the entire fight. Um, Ludwig just kept fucking coming forward like a Terminator, eating everything. Again, it was Munoz got a couple of takedowns as well. Again, it just ended up being Munoz was really dominated the whole fight. Ludwig, um, Ludwig had a good fucking showing for himself as far as his durability. But other than that, he was really outclassed. So big win for Johnny Munoz Jr. in that one. Moving into one of my favorite fights of the night, we had Pollyanna Viana versus Jin Yu Frey. A huge, I mean, Frank came out with a couple of leg kicks, I think. I think that's all it really much was. And then Pauliana Viana, fucking not one, not two, not three, not four, but a five-punch combination. You know, fucking dropped Jin Frey. She goes down, referee stops it. Beautiful drop. And TKO in the first round for Pauliana Viana. And we may hear a little bit about that later on in the show. Wink, Maybe. wink. All right. <laughs> <laughs> then one of my favorite fighters at once. 
35. We had Mario Bautista uh, going against the returning Benito Lopez, who had been out for three years with a slew of injuries, apparently. So body body hooks early for Bautista really were sharp. He was landing that into the bread basket, to the liver area, to the other side. I mean, it was really nice stuff. Then he had a beautiful double leg takedown, some elbows from ground and pound. Um, staying on top, he reversed the angle, kind of got behind Benito Lopez, put on like a reverse angle triangle to armbar combination. It was awesome. Got the submission in the first round for Mario Bautista over Benito Lopez in that one. All right, moving into our next fight, which, again, these might be a little out of order, but I think I'm in the right ballpark here. So <laughs> we're going to go with uh, Miranda Maverick next, Rhino Gang 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 versus Shanna Young, who, oddly enough, they fought before uh, in Invicta several years ago. So this was technically a rematch. Um, there was a solid early left for Miranda that got Shanna's attention. And then Shanna got it right back with a stiff hard right, right to the face. There was some clinch work and then a trip takedown from Miranda Maverick in the first round. And then literally from that point forward, with the, the blueprint was clear. Miranda was going to try to take Shanna down over and over again, which she was able to do. Um, not really anything devastating as far as ground and pound or any close submissions, but just repetitively took her down. I think she took her down five times, had a ton of top control. Shanna Young had no answer for that. Big win, unanimous decision for Miranda Maverick at 125. She then calls out Meatball Molly McCann, which I thought was a great call out. We have a question about that a little bit later on the show, so stay tuned for big. So big win for Miranda Maverick at 125 over Shanna Young. Moving into our next fight, which is going to be, <clears throat> oh, I don't know. We'll go with uh, Derek, Derek Miner next versus Shailon Nerdanbecki which I'm not going to try to say again because I think I actually just nailed it. <laughs> Derek Vitter, uh came out, and again, he he threw a body kick, and he seemed to step back very gingerly, seemed to really hurt his his left leg, uh, so it was clearly compromised. But then he threw it again, right, like maybe just to see, okay, is this really hurt that bad? And apparently it was. Uh, he starts to go down. Shylon nailed him with a knee, which then then followed him down to the ground. Some ground and pound, got a very early uh, TKO in the first round. For Shylon over Derek, Derek in that one, and again, I saw some stuff later that um, people were speculating that maybe Derek was hurt going into the fight, which I don't know if that's the case or not. Well, I mean, I'm sure it'll come out eventually, but yeah. So big win for Shylon, Nerd and Becky in that one. All right, so let's go ahead and to Marco Madsen versus Grant Dawson. What a fucking surprise this one ended up being. Okay, <laughs> you got Marco Madsen. What a decorated wrestler, Olympian undefeated at 155 against Grant Dawson, who, again, is still kind of on the come up, right? As soon as – okay, so Mark Madsen, you know, he caught uh, Grant Dawson early, kind of dropped him. He got his wherewithal, took Mark actually down, put out a body lock triangle, was sub-hunting for the rest of the first, wasn't, wasn't able to get it. In the second, got a single leg takedown to full mount, top control, pretty much all round off of Grant Dawson in the second. And then in the third, some nice calf kicks, a couple straight rights that really hurt Mark Madsen. Um, then another leg kick, which dropped Madsen because those calf kicks were really starting to, you know, take their toll. That leg kick dropped him. He followed him again onto the mat, put him in the rear naked choke and tapped him out. Wow. What an impressive win for Grant Dawson with a third round rear naked choke sub over Marco Madsen in that one. Now, we were supposed to have not one but two heavyweight fights on this card. Uh, Jailton Almeida was supposed to fight Maxine Grishin. Um Christian pulled out earlier in the week. I don't know if it was injury or illness or what. And then literally, like, the day of, Josh Parisian Rhino Gang, dude, he uh he woke up apparently the morning of the fight having some you know tight chest and some heart stuff going on, so they had to hospitalize him, and uh, he did not get to fight against Chase Sherman, but we certainly hope that Josh is okay. 
Um, so then we're going to move into our uh, co-main event, which was Daniel Rodriguez versus Neil Magny at 170. I, I thought the first round was pretty close, right? There was some really hard lefts that Daniel was landing, not only to the face, but to the body. Uh, Magny did drag him down and do some some top control there, but it was there was some clinch work again. It wasn't wasn't really clear cut who won the first round. I thought I thought I probably would have given it to D Rod just barely uh, on just the strikes alone. In the second, it was all D Rod, hard straight left hands. He was stalking Neil Magny. Neil wasn't able to fucking you know grapple him and uh, get him in control. So D Rod clearly won the second, as far as I'm concerned. Um, another left hurt Magny early in the third. Magny was able to pull guard, and then from that point forward, he was able to work his his ground game. I mean, D-Rod got up a couple times, but again, once it hit the ground, Magny was clearly in charge. He was able to get himself right in position for a Darce choke. Third round Darce submission for Neil Magny over Daniel Rodriguez in that one. Wow. Big win for Magny, and he then became the uh, the winningest fighter ever in welterweight history. When you look at some of the guys in welterweight history, like, oh, I don't know, George St. Pierre, <laughs> you know, Kamaro Usman, you know, Matt Hughes, you've got some incredible 170s, but Neil Magny's got more wins than them all in the UFC, so kudos to him, and that's a big feather in his cap. Moving into our main event, we had Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos. Um, very low output in the first round. It seemed like neither one of them really wanted to engage and get in there. There was a couple of nice shots landed, but again, very tentative on both fighters. Uh, in the second round, a really got a good right counter for Lemos. Um, she got a trip takedown. She tried her RNC there. Didn't really work out. And then in the third, a one-two for Marina. Marina seemed to just piss Amanda off, to be honest with you, because then she came in with a hard overhand right, which really staggered Rodriguez, who kind of careened back into the cage. She started throwing another combination. The referee stepped in and stopped it. TKO in the third round in our main event for Amanda Lemos in that one. So, again, to recap UFC Vegas 64, again, not the, like, sexiest matchups, not the biggest names, not the most high-ranked of everybody, but... It was another one of those cards that gave us a lot of really fun fights and finishes. So I was really stoked on last night. I don't know about you, Drea, but I thought it was awesome. So without further ado, it's been a long time, so we're going to go ahead and get into it. What is your world-famous Drea's Drop of the Night from last night? Well, my Drop of the Night has to go to Pollyanna Viana. Pollyanna caught Fry with the knee to the body that and then just followed up with that nasty combo that dropped Jin Fry and got the TKO finish. It was a beautiful, fast finish. Uh, so congrats, Pollyanna. You get my Drea's drop in tonight. Ah, uh, yes. For the first time in probably about five months, we've got a world-famous Drea's drop of the night, and we love it. So thank you very much, Drea. Okay, mm -hmm. we're getting to our main card picks for UFC 281, the mammoth, the monster, the incredible pay-per-view that we have upcoming this Saturday from uh, Madison Square Garden in New York. Our first fight we're going to have a pick for is Dan Hooker versus Claudio Poilis. I've got Dan Hooker winning by TKO in the second round. That's TKO2 for Dan Hooker. What about you, Drea? TKO2 for me as well for Dan Hooker. <coughs> Sorry for uh, sneezing right as you were trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> So Thanks. you had Hooker, you had Hooker as well over Puelas yeah. at TKO second. Okay. Yep. Moving into 135, I have Chris Chris Gutierrez. Oh, this this hurts to say, but it's mm -hmm. <laughs> I've got Chris Gutierrez knocking out Frankie Edgar, and I mean clean out in the third round. I got KO three for Chris over Frankie in that one. What about you? As much as it hurts to say, I feel you on that, but I'm actually going to the second round. I think Gutierrez is going to beat. Edgar with a TKO in the second. 
All righty. Moving into Dustin Poirier, the diamond versus Michael Chandler. I think this one is going to be really fun. I've got Dustin Poirier winning by third round TKO over Michael Chandler. What's your call on that one? Future play, Adrea. I really debated back and forth on this of whether Dustin was going to be able to finish him or not. Um, but ultimately, I'm going with the decision for Dustin Poirier. I think it's going to go the whole fight. And very well could. Now, I had the exact same debate on our next fight, which is uh, Zhang Wei Li versus Carla Esparza. I didn't, I think Wei Li is going to win, but I was kind of going back and forth on how. I ended up leaning on, uh, leaning on a decision. So I think it's going to be a decision for Wei Li Zhang over Carla Esparza by UD. What's your call on that one, Drea? Um, I'm taking Wei Li Zhang with a KO in round three. Ooh, a clean KO. I would love to see that. Yeah. All right. Then moving into the the monster 185-pound belt uh, competition between Alex Pahea versus Izzy Adesanya, the longtime 185-pound champion. Now, the big narrative that everyone's going to be talking about, has been talking about, is going to continue to talk about, is that Alex has beat Izzy twice in kickboxing. That does play a part of this for sure. But I'm just talking about what's going to happen in the cage that night between these two mixed martial artists. Again, I've got Alex Pereira winning over Izzy Adesanya <laughs> with a TKO in the fourth round due to knees to the face from the tie plum position. So I got knees to the face, TKO, Alex over Izzy. What about you, feature player, Drea? Um, I'm going with Pereira as well. I really, to be honest, I debated back and forth on this. I kind of have a feeling Adesanya is going to win, but I'm more in the field of hoping Pajeda is going to win. So I'm going Pajeda, uh round four KO. Oh, nice. Okay. That's one of the rare times that you and I, over all the years, uh, pick an entire same yeah, uh, I'm, main card. I really <laughs> went back and forth on that on that last one, but I, I'm just, sure. I've never really been an Adesanya fan, so I'm, I'm really pulling for Pajeda on that one. I'm a fan when Izzy kickboxes. I'm not yeah. a fan when Izzy stays away and you know, right. and that, yeah. So I, I I'm agree. a I'm a fan of some of his fights and not a fan of other of his fights. But I'm a right. fan of all of Alex's fights. So yeah, we're I can't mm -hmm. wait for that one. It's gonna be so fun. Great undercard as well. So yeah, that's gonna be a big, big event. UFC 281 plus New York is going to be a fun time. So, all right, let's go ahead and get our Q&A with the Rhino gang. And our first write-in comes from my homie, the Doc, who has two questions today. One write-in, one voice. Doc, what do you got for us this week, my guy? I know you're a huge fan of D-Rod. How would you describe his performance last night in the loss to Neil Magny? Also, big congratulations on 150 episodes. Here's to hundreds or even thousands more. Hey, your lips to God's ears, my man. I sure hope we get that many more, too. Um, I thought it was very close first round. We talked about it a little bit ago. Um, you're right. I'm a huge D-Rod fan. I really, really am. Uh, again, the first round was very close. I thought D-Rod looked great in the second. Neil Magny is a very hard puzzle to solve. He is so long. He is rangy. He's got such a great veteran's style you know what i mean where he can get hit and not get hit and um get you in close and grapple you and he just covers ground so in impressively uh the third round again that was completely you know neil magny showing how really talented he is in able to pull himself out of a bad situation and find a way to win you get a darts choke first of all that's hard to do anyway Second of all, it's hard to do on somebody who only has two losses after like 20 fights. And third of all, you were you maybe lost the first and the second. You for sure lost the second. And then the third wasn't going great. So, <laughs> Neil Magny pulling that one out was really, really impressive. Again, I think last night was more about how good Neil Magny is and not that 
D-Rod made a bunch of mistakes or didn't fight well. So I still would give D-Rod like a B performance, um, just that Neil Magny was able to finish in an incredible way. And yeah, all kudos to him on that one. So Doc, thank you very much for the write-in. We look forward to your voice question a little bit later on. So let's get into our second one, which comes from the motorcycle riding madman, the Dean Dog. Dean, what do you got for us this week, my guy? A lot of people on Twitter were complaining about the card yesterday, but I thought it was actually pretty good. Which finish surprised you the most? There were a few to choose from. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course, I agree. And there was lots of really fun finishes. The most surprising, though, dude, I got to go with Grant Dawson, bro. He legit dominated Marco Madsen on the ground. If you would have told me before, I mean, there's no fucking way that he's going to dominate. Not just win, not just beat, but dominate fucking Marco Madsen on the ground, dude. Um, as far as, like, people have to understand the level. I mean, I know when you say it, like, Olympic wrestler, like, I don't know if people are just like, oh, yeah, that's good or whatever. Like, no. Uh, being an Olympian at anything is such an incredibly high-level fucking uh, achievement to get to. And Marco Madsen was a real Olympian. And so to be able to take him down, to be able to beat him in the scrambles, to be able to block in the submission and then finally finish him in the third, that is so impressive. So the most surprising and the most impressive win last night Probably goes to Grant Dawson, dude. That's my answer on that one. Great fucking question, D-Dog. We certainly appreciate you, brother. So thank you, sir. I know our third one comes from the homie Brian from the Home and Sale Holster. What do you got for us this week, my dude? After her dominant grappling performance over Shannon Young last night, Miranda Maverick called out Meatball Molly. If that fight happens, how do you see it going? Yeah, dude, we actually talked about this uh, in the group chat for a little bit last night, too. If it were like, okay, if it were end up as a striking match, so for some reason nobody can really take anybody down and they're really kind of moving in and moving out and striking, I, I'm going to lean towards Molly a little bit, but I don't think that's the way it would go. I think Miranda Maverick at some point would be able to get inside, get a trip takedown or a double leg, put Molly on her back, which she's not really comfortable being on, and be able to not necessarily ground and pound her, and, you know, and get her out of there. But I think she'd be able to take her down enough and have enough top control that would supersede the striking advantage that Meatball Molly would have. So, again, right now, and, again, recency bias is a thing, but I'm not really – and Rhino Gang bias is definitely a thing. <laughs> but if I'm going to go totally neutral on it, <clears throat> I'm leaning towards Miranda Maverick being able to take her down and, and get a decision over Meatball Molly McCann. Um so, yeah, that's definitely my call on that one as of right now. So, Holster, thank you very much. And, you again, what a consistent question asker week in and week out. We really, really appreciate you, dude. So, thank you once again, Holster. All right, speaking of that, we got our homie, the Raisin Sweet Potato from up in Canada Way. RSP, what do you got for us this week, dude? There has been a massive uptick in weight misses in recent years. We're obviously never going to solve the issue of weight cutting, but – what are some steps that you would implement in order to ensure that less fighters are coming in overweight? <clears throat> so when you look at your question, like to ensure that there's less, dude, you got to go harsh. You got to go big and you, you got to go serious on some of these changes that I would make. Right. So the first one would be not just what it was a 25 or 30% off your person. No, no, no. 50% of your purse goes to your opponent. I know it sounds harsh, like I said, but it shows how serious, whatever promotion, we're not just talking about the UFC because this happens everywhere. You know what I mean? So we're talking about whatever promotion you're in, 50% of your purse goes to your opponent. That's first of all. Second, you get one weight miss, one. 
After that, you are forced to move up to the next weight class for your next fight, or you don't get a contract for the next fight, right? You get to leave that promotion and go try it somewhere else, right? So and I've talked about short notice fighters before too, which for me, the term short notice is four weeks or less. If you're on a notice and you take a fight on four weeks or less and you miss, I, I don't think there should be any penalty whatsoever because you're doing the promotion a favor, you're doing, you know, uh, you're doing the fans a favor. It, it, to me, there should be no consequence if you miss. And again, I don't mean egregiously by like eight pounds, but if you miss by a pound or two and you're on less than four weeks notice, no, no, no uh, penalties for that. But if you're not and you had eight, 12, 15 weeks, whatever to train, there's no way you should miss weight. It's a huge advantage. Um, particularly if you're, if you're a top level grappler, it's a big, big, big advantage. So yes, 50% of the purse, if you do it twice, the second time you have to move up or you don't get to fight there anymore. Those are the two that would really implement right away. And you would see how fast that shit would fucking slow down, uh, for people trying to not lose all the weight and then have the advantage come fight night. So RSP as always, great question. Thank you very much. My dude. All right. I know our next one. Comes from another homie from up in Canada, Decrons, who again, folks, Decrons likes to leave voice messages, as do other people. Jim Asun, I know Kairos tried to leave one, and it's just for some people it works, and for some people it doesn't. I don't know what's going on with it. I don't know what the deal is, but that's just unfortunate. Um, so we really appreciate that some people who prefer to do call-ins or doing write-ins, and that's Decrons. Decrons, what do you got for us this week, my dude? I've got my swim trunks and my flippy floppies on, ready to dive right into the hundred. Hell yeah! <laughs> Congratulations, Rhino. I was just wondering if you caught Mark Hunt doing Mark Hunt shit the other day. I understand him hanging them up, but for selfish reasons, I'd like to watch him fight forever. What a legend! Also, if you haven't touched on it already, what do you think the chances are that we see two titles switch hands at two eighty one? Best believe I will see you this week and next cage side. Much oh, awesome. Thank you very much, Deke Rons. Once again, super loyal, wonderful friend of the show and of mine. We appreciate you, brother. So, yeah, dude, I saw the finish um, that Mark Hunt had just, just on Twitter. You know what I mean? I just saw the clips. I didn't watch the fight or anything. But, again, his boxing match was awesome because Mark Hunt, you know, like 5'10", very stout 260 guy. You know, I don't know what he weighed in the other night, but um, – you know, and he's fighting another one of these bodybuilder type looking dudes. And it's just awesome to see him go in there at his age and with all the miles on him, um, go in there and finish that guy. Very, very cool. It's so funny. It's been like 20 years since I first watched him in pride. I mean, 20 years, man, <laughs> that's a long fucking time. And for him to still be doing, it was really, really fun to, uh, fun to see. Yeah. I'm also a big Mark Hunt fan. Um, as far as watching him fight, I don't know about some of the other stuff out there that, that goes on, but as far as watching him fight, really, really like him. And yeah, I'm glad to see him go out on top. So dude, I actually do think both titles are going to switch hands on Saturday. I am incredibly confident that Wei Lee is going to win that fight. Like very, very, very much so. I am also then pretty confident that Alex is going to beat Izzy. I, you know, that one is a lot closer to me um, that could go either way as far as what would be the outcome. But as far as the Coleman event, dude, the 115-pound title, Whaley Zhang, I think, wins 9 out of 10 times. So barring something crazy, I think we're going to have definitely a new title on her and then probably a new title on Alex. So again, Dan, thank you so much for your friendship, your loyalty to the show. You are all-time Rhino Gang Gang Gang. Thank you, my brother. All right, let's get into the Scream Queen Supreme, our girl Jess. Jess, what do you got for us this week? Neil Magny never gets the respect that he deserves. The call-out of Gilbert was great. Can you see him winning? 
So the issue with Neil Magny, I think, I don't think is that people dislike him or hate him. I just think they they criticize the the lack of excitement that happens mm-hmm. in most Neil Magny fights. Right? It's not that oh he's a shit talker, oh he sucks. It's none of that. Everyone thinks he's good. Again, it's just his style that's just not real fan friendly that I think a lot of people kind of dismiss him, um, right? <clears throat> we talked a little earlier. What an incredible accomplishment to get the all-time welterweight win list. Um, and yes, could he beat Gilbert? Yes, uh, with his range and with his ability to take people down, with his ability to hold clinch position, he absolutely could beat Gilbert Burns. If if and when they fight, I do think Gilbert wins that fight more often than not, probably seven or eight out of ten times, but. Neil Magny has the tools to beat pretty much anybody at welterweight. Gilbert Burns is a very short, stocky fighter, which would lead to Neil Magny, again, being able to implement that huge reach advantage. His cage control, he's a very good grappler. Gilbert's more of a submission artist when he's on his back than some of the other fighters that Neil's fought, but still, he's a good job of not getting submitted as well. So uh, do I give him a shot? I Absolutely. Um, I hope that fight does happen. That would be a fun one. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But, Jess, thank you so much for representing for the ladies in the write-in questions, my dear. And let's go ahead and our voice questions. I know our first one comes from the Juicy Fruit Bebe from Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got for us this week, dude? Hey, what's up, Rhino? It's Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Um, looking at fights on UC281, a fight that really intrigues me is um, Dan Hooker versus Claudio Poyas. Um Claudio Poyas is just starting to make a name for himself, but I've been watching him for a while because he's Peruvian, and that is where my Spanish comes from. Peru, that is. And I feel like... Dan Hooker is in a must-win situation after the losing streak of lightweight, the failed featherweight attempt. But in in reading some interviews and listening to some interviews he's done, it seems like his head is in the right place in terms of like getting a proper team in place and listening to his coaches who actually advised against the featherweight move. So what do you know? I want to get your thoughts on this matchup, not just a pick because obviously you already gave that, but just in terms of the, the must-win situation and how you think it's going to play out. Yeah, Broski, you hit the nail on the head, and that's like, it's a super must-win for Hangman Hooker there. To, like, he's lost four of his last five. Now, albeit, we're talking to Arnold Allen, Islam Makachev, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, all top-tier guys, but they are still losses at the end of the day. Claudio, while a very promising um, prospect who everyone should respect, he has like half the experience in the cage. He has nowhere near the resume. I think you'd, you'd say his probably his best win is over a Clay Guida, right? So he has nowhere near the resume of Hangman Hooker. And then you look at the training partners that Dan has to train with versus what Claudio has to train with. It's just not the same. The level of uh, the level of fighters that Dan goes against every week are far superior to what Claudio gets to go with. Does that mean Claudio can't win? Of course not. Of course he could. Especially if he pulls out one of those crazy knee bars that he's like becoming famous for. But again, if you're talking about what's most realistic, I think Dan Hangman Hooker is going to win that fight, and I think he's going to be better pretty much everywhere uh, in there than Claudio is. So that is my answer on that one. Make sure you check out Juice and Leo over at the Friendly Sparring Pod. A lot of fun over there with those jokers. So thank you very much, Juice. All right, our next voice question comes from my homie, the Doc, for his second one. He's going to write in. Now he's got a voicemail. Doc, what do you got for us this week, dude? Hey, Rhino, happy 150th anniversary. Um, Because it's election season, uh, here's an election season question-ish topic. Um, What would you want for a proposal for the UFC? Uh, What is a proposal that you think a lot of the viewers would want to vote on? 
And what is one that you think um, people will not have a lot of support for, but you would like to see pass, and um, you would inundate our airwaves with advertisements to make sure people voted on that thing. Anyways, that's all I got, man. Happy 150th. Um, I will go into iTunes and leave a rating and make sure that everybody else does the same because we love your show. And that's all I got, man. Take care. Bye. Great question, Broski. So my first proposal would be every fighter um, that has at least three UFC appearances. I didn't say wins. Has at least three UFC appearances gets a minimum of 50K per fight. Now, let me say that one more time for the people in the back. If you have three appearances in the UFC, you are guaranteed 50K per fight minimum. Second, <clears throat> what do you think? First of all, I think I think most people would sign off on that one, right? So secondly, which I'm not so sure everybody would sign off on, but that is, I think it is necessary that you must have a minimum of five professional wins before you get into the UFC. Again, minimum five professional wins before you get a shot in the UFC. Why do we have that? Should you be able to sign a UFC contract if you're if you're one and one, or if you're two and two, or if you are a, a debuter? No, it's the premier, preeminent organization in mixed martial arts in the whole world. Now, again, that would exclude some people that we've seen over the years. That would not let CM Punk into the UFC cage, which we all could have done without. That would not let um, what's his name, Greg Hardy. I would not let Greg Hardy into the cage. I, I understand the need for promotion and the need for bringing people in. No, I think if you're going to do that, that's fine. Make them have five professional fights in another organization before they come to the UFC. Now, the only argument against it that I know some people is going to bring up, well, what about Brock Lesnar? Okay. <laughs> in that regard, I think if you are the NCAA champion in wrestling, or if you are a like five time Muay Thai champion or a K1 champion or something, you can make a few concessions when it comes to this rule. But normally, overall, over the vast majority of fighters, five at minimum, five pro fights, five pro wins, in fact, before you get a shot in the UFC. So that is my second proposal that I would come up with. So thank you very much, Doc. All right, that's going to conclude our right and call-in questions for this week. So let's go ahead and get our 10 rounds of Rhino with... Uh, Jose Shorty Torres, after a very quick word from our sponsor, KR Designs. Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at KR Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, kandrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. 
So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Off oh, fight fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds with Rhino this week. 11, 1 and 1, brave CF Bantamweight, Jose Shorty Torres is in the house tonight. Jose, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Oh, I appreciate having me, man. Thank you. And for, I mean, oh, isn't today the 150 episode? So, I mean, 150th <laughs> episode indeed. Congrats, man. Awesome. <laughs> thanks. thanks, man, dude. We are so stoked. It's, it's, it's so funny, bro, because, you know, if, if, if I'm going to have anybody on for the 150th episode, it's got to be a fellow Midwestern broski. It's got to be somebody who knows what Jardin Air is. It's got to no, be somebody who knows what these weathers are like for us up here. <laughs> you never know. Honestly, you never know what you're going to get. Right, right, dude. And so, yeah, I'm so stoked to have you on, bro. And basically, uh, Shorty, the first round with Rhino is always the same, and I never get tired of it. I talk about it every week. I love hearing the origin story. How would, how did you first get involved in this crazy whack of world of MMA, dude? Man, the crazy thing is my family is a very different family. They actually wanted me to fight. You know, my dad was a, a gang leader involved in a lot of stuff back in the day. My brother was slowly kind of following that path and being eight years older, either would bully me or teach me how to fight. And we would you know, kind of double team my dad. And then my mom, oh, you know, she's honestly the athlete of the family as, as small as she is. She's four, eight. She's a tiny woman. But she, we were all afraid of her because she would kill all of us. <laughs> and, uh, she always did karate and martial arts. And so eventually she took me to karate and she just never let me quit. No matter what, never let me quit and put me in sports and automatically kind of gave me that. She made me independent and then also kind of taught me those morals of like, hey, you started something, don't quit. You can't quit. Nope. Until the goal is done, you can't quit. So I never quit karate until I got my black belt. You know, couldn't quit this until I got, you know, some type of achievement. So, um, Man, you know, you think about it, I'm 30 years old, so 26 years later, you know, joining all these different gyms and all these different uh, martial arts styles, like, you know, she's chanting me on every single time. You think my your mother would be crying. She's like, get him, get him, do this. And like, <laughs> so, you know, my family honestly put me into it. I, I, I don't believe I even had a choice. It was pre, It was predestined. Yeah, yeah. Again, and this, this is one of those, like, whether I liked it or not, it was one right. of those, I had no choice. All right, dude. So you're coming off another big win for Brave CF over in Bahrain. Um, it's only been like a few days at the time we're recording this. Now, when you watched, you saw you after the fight, you saw the interview, you looked like you didn't take a whole lot of damage. How are you feeling physically now? Uh, I mean, I feel great. You know, I'm actually working out again, getting back in shape because I definitely sugar loaded, carb loaded and I had a bunch of like snacks on the plane and all that stuff. But the only small injury, if you want to call it that, is uh, I had to shin block a few times. I took two good calf kicks. And uh, for people who don't know, he had a 30-1 Muay Thai professional record. So this he knew how to kick, you know, just a tad bit. Uh. And, uh, you know, eventually I started checking, and he just didn't care. He kept throwing them. So no matter what, if you check or not, it still hurts. It's a, it's a baseball bat pretty much being swung to your leg. And uh, it just depends on how you want to take it. And, Luckily, I was able to check some of them and, and give them some pain back. But, um, you know, my left calf is still a little swollen because of that, all the sugar loading and flight as well. 
but overall, man, I'm I'm good. You know, I'm just banged up and uh, trying to mentally take my time because I want to get back in there as soon as possible. But also know that hey, nothing's official yet, so there's no reason to overwork and overtrain myself and get my bo- uh, my body some time to rest. That's one thing. Having been a professional boxer, that I could never relate to is the pain of the leg kicks that you guys have to endure. <laughs> and I've talked to so many. MMA fighters, and I'm like, can you can you describe it anyway? Can you articulate it? And they're like, they say exactly what you just said, dude. They said, imagine a baseball bat right to the leg. How many times it happened? I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna stick to boxing. Thanks very much. Uh, so, dude, you are now 14 and 0 as an Ami, 11 1 and 1 as a pro. To my by my math, if my math checks out, that's 25 1 and 1 at just 30 years old. Now so, there are mul- there are multiple. I, I have actually go ahead. I actually have a small correction. So oh, I'm happy to hear it. When I started, Tapology and Sure Dog was barely even getting a foothold of the you know MMA community. So I'm actually 25 and 1 in MMA. And then 11, one and one as a professional. So before I finally lost my, my, you know, my one professional loss, I, I lost one in 2010 by split decision. And then I went 25 straight. And then I also won eight straight after that, making it 33 straight wins before I finally lost. And then now I believe I'm in a three fight winning streak. I mean, technically one of them was a draw, but uh, you know, out of the four fights, I have three of them winning. So, so far, I'm doing pretty well. So what is that? 39 fights so far? Yeah, 39 fights. Yeah, dude. And so that just that's just even more impressive about what I'm about to, what I'm about to ask you. So, dude, there is a multitude of reasons why you why you've accumulated such a prestigious record. We all know that we have different skill sets that we revert back to, especially when we get hurt or when we get dazed or when we get rocked or when things are going our way. However, what would you say is the the part of your game that's the most sharp? in that time so the reason you're 39 and 0 is for a bunch of different reasons dude but what would it be what would be the biggest reason as to why they i think what is my total record now 36 36 2 and 1 which is kind of crazy to say but insane dude you're you're 30 years old you've got more (laughs) wins than you are eight (laughs) crazy but you know for me i i don't know you know i i luckily when i started i was kind of that first generation of now we're becoming MMA fighters. You know, before me it was like, cool, there's Frankie Edgar, which at the time was primarily a wrestler. Then you had guys, you know, you know, before him that was just specific styles. You know, Frankie Edgar was like the boxer wrestler. Then you had guys before him that were specific styles of like, cool, you just have the wrestler. Cool, you have just the karate guy. All right, now you have just jujitsu guy. Then my style was like, we're the first generation that were trying to be MMA fighters. Now we're all well-rounded. But we were still trying to learn how to transition it to MMA, you know, kind of put it all together. So I believe that's my generation. The one now, like Mohamed Mocha, I have one of my teammates, that's that's the full package. That's the generation with the full package where they do everything from the start. They know how to transition all this stuff. They're well-rounded. So, like, the sport just keeps on getting better and better and better. But, man, I think for me... I mean, wrestling, I think, is, is kind of the safest thing, but I, I've grown up watching boxing so much, that, and I'm I'm too damn Mexican. I'm Mexican-Puerto Rican, but my Mexican side definitely shows up when it comes to fights where I'm like, I can take the hits, and then I, <laughs> I, I never try to hold. I just, uh, fine, let's go for a firefight. You want to go? Let's go. It's your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. So, you know, I just, I like to have a lot of fun and put on a show, and one of my, it's funny, actually, the fight that I did lose, I got TKO'd by another fellow Mexican, and I was like, damn, I just got out mexican right. <laughs> I figure out a different game plan anytime somebody's a little more Mexican than me. 
Um, that's awesome. <laughs> so like we talked about a little bit in the introduction, you just like me, you're from the Midwest, you're from Chicago, I'm from Detroit. Um, it's a big jump to go down to Florida, to Coconut Creek, to ATT, where you train at. What kind of prompted that move? What kind of prompted your, you know, want to get down to that gym and to get uh, out of what, you know, what you would call home? You know, I've, I've been to different gyms that I was pretty much after I graduated college. Um, so I graduated my junior college in 2012 and then went down to the university in 2015. So that's when I really started to travel uh, in about 2012. And I've been to so many different gyms. I was at American Top Team for two years. I left there in 2019, pretty much the start of COVID. You know, lived with Dean Thomas, um, trained under him. And I, I just, I train overseas now in the Kingdom of Bahrain and sometimes in Chicago, like Valley Flow Striking with Bilal Muhammad and a bunch of other guys. So it's, I'm one of those guys that wants to be a mixed martial artist. I understand that, you know, as much as I love my head coach, uh, Master Bob Shermer, who is still in my corner today from 16 years old all the way to 30, I know that he's not going to teach me everything. He might be phenomenal at some stuff, but he might not be as good at others. And for me, and even for him, he understands that as well. Of going, cool, like you're you're my child. Blossom, go somewhere else. Learn these lessons. I'm little, you know, kid Goku learning from different, you know, instructors and and building my own type of martial arts stuff. You want to say, and. I've been to so many gyms. American Top Team, one of the best things about that gym is that it's so freaking big that no matter what, especially being a small guy, there's always middleweights. But there's never big guys, heavyweights, and there's never tiny guys, flyweights and bantamweights. Over there, if one guy was missing at a typical gym, damn, that's that's a good practice partner that's missing. I might not get as much work today. And I have to probably go with the bigger guys that adapt to my style, and it's not as realistic as I'd like it to be. But American Top Team, they just had a man I, I, excuse my language but a fuck ton of guys like it was just like oh my gosh no matter what there was always someone there and always high level it wasn't just like some random joe schmo um american top team i like to call it Brazil, besides brazilian top team is like the olympic training center for mma there's always guys that are going to be there and the best will flock towards the best and from there that's the gym that's like iron sharpens iron but eventually i left because it's just it's such a big gym it's so hard to get the attention that you need um, you know, to keep on growing. And that's why eventually I moved in with Dean Thomas and I, you know, left him after living with him for two years because he was just getting so busy with the UFC. He had no time for us. And he was like, guys, get out of my house. <laughs> you know, like, I, I <laughs> and so we, you know, I, I just started traveling and now I, I trained in their uh, cage KMMA overseas with, uh, Elder Alderoff and, you know, um, the principal range Sheikh Khalid that that takes care of us, man. It's it's a uh, it's a bless, blessing in disguise. But I travel the world to train, and I, I train with some of the best. That's awesome, dude. Now, the nickname Shorty. I, I I've got to know the origin story of it. I got to know how you picked it up. But I can tell you this: even at six one, I was shorter than nineteen of my twenty one professional opponents. <laughs> I know it is <laughs> to fight as the Shorty, even though I may not be Shorty in real life. But where did you pick up that nickname, and who gave it to you, my dude? Um, you know what's crazy is. Everyone in my family generally has a nickname, and now we're all short, so you would think, oh, Shorty, because you're small, but I grew up in the 90s, and the 90s Shorty was, you know, Tupac, Shorty want to be a thug. Yeah. You know, the Shorty coming up, doing big things, you know, the, the youngin doing more than you probably should, you know, and I think everyone is a Shorty growing up, but for me, my dad was, you know, a gang leader, and his name was Shorty G., and so every time people saw him, like, hey, what's up, Shorty? You know, this, that, whatever. And I would hang out with my dad all the time. They're like, oh, so what's up, little Shorty? Now, that's just a nickname for, you know, the son. It's, you know, junior, pretty much. 
And then I'd hang out with my brother, and my brother had a graffiti name, and so they would call me the little version of him. But when I went to school, it was just one of those things that, and I think, again, because I'm Latino and growing up in a Mexican neighborhood, if your name's Jose, you say Jose in public, everyone's going to turn around. You know, it's like, oh, damn, okay, well, we all know. Very common, yeah, very common first name, yes. You know, it's like when you go to the Middle East, like, you say Muhammad, everyone's going to turn around. Like, it's just one of those things. Where you go to Dagestan, Nirmago Medoff, or having the off at the end of your name, everyone's going to turn around. So, for me, um, I think if you have a very typical Mexican name or Latin name, you know, Carlos, Jose, Enrique, stuff like that, you needed a nickname growing up, and naturally, because I was so tiny, they would just call me Shorty. So when I'd come home, I was like, Dad, I earned your nickname. People just call me Shorty. So I was just like, ah, just call me Shorty. I'm kind of used to it. We'll just go from there. And that's that's kind of how it went. But when I came to MMA, no one, even in school, no one knew my real name. And given my upbringing, I kind of wasn't really um, allowed to tell people where I lived, my name, stuff like that. So Everyone just knew me as Shorty. My teachers, I would write my assignments, Shorty Torres, Shorty this, Shorty that. And so they knew my full name, but, you know, obviously they worked for the, the community. But um, it just kind of naturally went. So when I fought, people weren't even announcing Jose Torres. They were just, like, saying Shorty Torres. So I was like, you know what? I don't need this cool fighter nickname, the, the pit bull or this or that. I was like, oh, you know what? Let me just say Jose Shorty Torres. It rolls off the tongue pretty easily. and It's, it's what people recognize me as. I think if I had a nickname, it would just made it worse. <laughs> that's probably right. It might have been more confusing than anything else. So yeah, dude, that's fucking awesome. It's so. it's actually it's actually really crazy because when people say like for example, I I use three names: Jose, Angel, and Shorty. Now Angel is my middle name, and we have a lot of you know Latin names in my family, so we usually just go by the middle name. So if you call me Angel, you either knew me as a little kid or you're my family member. You're very close to me. If you call me Shorty, this is everyday life. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be a friend, a Joe Schmo. You call me Shorty. If you call me Jose, it's either you don't know me or it's a business call. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep going right there. Um, no, 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 totally cool, bro. So basically, dude, they. this is a question that I've been pulling on my guests for the last, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 weeks. And some fighters right away, they know what they're going to answer. Other people struggle with it. So we'll see which category you fall into. So if you weren't a fighter, if fighting was not an option, Shorty, what do you think you'd be doing for a career? If I wasn't a fighter, one of the biggest things, because I never expected to even make it this far in my life. you know. So I wanted to be a helper. I've always wanted to be a big brother, a father. And so growing up, I tried to be the role model I always wanted and needed as a kid. So I always took care of people. And when I went to college, I was like, oh, let me try to be a gym teacher. Sadly, my ACTs and just test scores were pretty bad. So I was like, all right, well, I can't qualify to be a gym teacher. Let me do something in science that helps with my martial arts. I'm so in tune with sports. And so I studied kinesiology, you know, uh, graduated with that, my bachelor's. And then I was like, okay, well, let's just see how far MMA goes. And luckily everything went well, but I was planning on being a teacher. I was planning on just overall helping my community and just kids around me and something I still do today with my foundation. But for me, I've always just wanted to teach and help people and, and kind of can be that big brother of like, hey, I went left. It didn't work for me. Maybe you should go right. And hopefully, you know, people have a, uh, a better outcome and even reach farther heights than what I was able to. Absolutely, dude. No, that's fantastic. As I think I told you earlier on uh, on Instagram, you know, I work in education and there is there are a few things that you're going to give you more frustrating slash rewarding types of days. So, no, I totally could co-sign on that, my dude. Now, round number nine, Shorty, is a round that 
people love, I love, everybody loves, and I think you're going to have a pretty easy answer on it because as soon as you think about it, you'll be like, yep, I know. So the fight is already over. You've already won. You've been dieting down for however long, however many weeks where you've deprived yourself of some of your favorite things. You get to have whatever you want to eat, dude. What are you throwing down on and where are you getting it from? Uh, tacos, donuts, and a strawberry milkshake. Um, I am I'm a foodie at heart. I am a fat kid at heart and sometimes at, at size. I just love to eat. And it's funny because every once in a while I'll do food reviews or I'll put stuff on my stories and people will just, man, this place looks awesome. I just want to show off restaurants. I'm never, ever trying to take money or get a free meal. Hey, it's a benefit, but I, I don't ask for it. And sure. man, these places, they just, you know, love to help me out. And I just, I love to eat. And so I, I go to so many different places. But one of the things is when I'm cutting weight, I'm kind of a jerk to myself and just watch food porn the entire time when I'm cutting weight. <laughs> <laughs> and so I create a list of like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. And, uh, you know, I have so many cravings that I'm not going to lie. I've definitely feasted since I've been back and I'm trying to <laughs> trying to get back down. Uh, but my biggest things, my favorite food is tacos. doesn't matter what type of tacos. I just love to make my own tacos and go to different places and try so many because, you know, it's like pizza. You know, you have there's so many different places where you have good Detroit style pizza, Chicago style pizza, New York style pizza. Like they're all good, you know, but. Some places are better than others, and, and sometimes you can't just have one. So um, tacos, it, Paco's Tacos, Zaka Tacos, Prime Tacos, another Chicago local place that my buddies uh, started up. Ice cream, there's a place called Michoacana in Chicago that's a chain place, and it's just it, – it's – it's pretty much an ice cream lover's dream because there's almost anything you can ask for when it comes to ice cream. You have the popsicles or paletas. You have regular ice cream. You can dip stuff in chocolate. You can put all these different like throw your fruits and stuff in there. It's 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 I'm I'm, I'm I actually want to go now. Uh, <laughs> and then you know milkshakes. Honestly, there's and I can, now you're actually reminding me of this. There's a place in Chicago that actually makes their own milk called Oberweiss. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Oh. But, they actually like cater their own milk. So they'll send you, you know, remember back in the day, people would have the like milk delivery truck. They sure. still, they still have that and they deliver it in like these glass jars and it's phenomenal. But there's a place not too far from here that makes their own milk, which makes them turn their own ice cream. And it's just, it's the best thing in the world. So they have uh, strawberry uh, milkshakes and all this stuff. And it's just the thickest, like freshest thing in the world. That might have been the greatest ninth round answer we've ever had, Shorty. I got to be honest with you. That was fucking phenomenal, and I want all of those things now. <laughs> I'll try my best. Well, sold. Sold. <laughs> so, dude, we have basically careened our way into the tenth round, which is the easiest round of them all. All you got to do is share social medias with it, Shorty, so we can kind of follow you along in your career. And I'm telling you, everybody – definitely follow him at the very least on IG because he is a great follower, posts a lot of content, a lot of training stuff, a lot of non-training stuff, fun stuff, great great follow on IG. But where can we find you on uh, all your social medias, dude? Yeah, so my IG, Jose Shorty Torres, Facebook and Twitter is Shorty Torres MMA. Um, I actually want to give a huge shout out to my foundation. I do a lot of foundation work to help kids, teens, and young adults stay inside the gym and off the streets, whether I sponsor kids with free merchandise, like actual clothes, training gear, um, boxing, all that stuff, uh, equipment, so they don't have to pay for it, which you already know gets very expensive very fast. Uh um, sometimes I sponsor, you know, young amateur, if not pro athletes to be able to travel or even just, Hey, you have a fight. Cool. I'm going to give you $300 and make you kind of 
get used to the sponsorship stuff. You should, you know, learn this process. And I teach them social media. I teach them how to talk to managers and this and that. And I try to guide a lot of fighters um, in different ways. So my foundation helps do that. And with that being said, TeamShorty.com, all the merchandise on my website, 100% of the proceeds go to my foundation, again, to do all those amazing things. And uh, I've been able to help a lot of people, not just in Chicago, but around the States and even in different countries. And it's been phenomenal, especially in different countries because they're not used to this type of support. So anytime they have a professional fighter, whether no matter who the name is, they're just like, dude, you don't have to do this. This is awesome. So you know, when people can do that, I had my victory party this weekend and all the merchandise, I'm raffling off some stuff is going straight to the foundation. So guys, I appreciate the love and support. And then also when it comes to like mental health, if you guys have any questions or, uh, you know, just want to ask and, and, you know, talk or even vent, you know, message me on Instagram, Jose Shorty Torres, and I answer all my responses and, uh, and my messages. And I do a Sunday question day. So you can ask me anything. Let's have some fun. Uh, dude, Shorty, I mean, what an amazing foundation that you've started. What an incredible um, thing you're able to do to give back to athletes. I know that you and I would have both really appreciated a hand up especially during our amateur careers and our early pro careers when you don't make a whole lot of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, what a fantastic thing that you've, uh, you've taken on here and that you are, you are spearheading into the next generation of fighters uh, and giving them a leg up on everything. And wow, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it, dude. 150 shows are in the book. We couldn't think of anybody better to have on than you. We really, really appreciate you taking the time. And once again, congratulations on the big win last week over there at uh, brave CF dude. My appreciate, man. 150 episodes and an honor to be on. And man, you know, 10 questions done with the Rhino. I feel like I, I feel I feel pretty accomplished that I deserve that milkshake now. I think you do, my dude. So we'll talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your day. Pleasure. You as well. What's up, everybody? My name is Jose Shorty Torres, and I just did 10 rounds with Rhino. Shorty, dude, that was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Really, really fun 10 rounds there. We really appreciate you, my dude. And best of luck and skill in your next fight. We're all going to be riding with you, my dude. Let's get in our shout-outs and our outros to our forum contributors, to Doc times two, to the motorcycle ride madman, the Dean Dog, to Brian from the Home and Sale, to the Juicy Fruit Baby from Friendly Sparring Pile, to the homie D. Kranz, to the other homie Rage Sweet Potato, to the Jess, the Scream Queen Supreme, to Ashley, all the ladies of the PRG, Mike Morgan, Fabian the Man of Mayhem, to Kairos, who tried to leave a question but couldn't, Mirror. <clears throat> to my girl, Brat, to Jillian, Monica, Chrissy, Katie, and Jason, my underdog MMA fan, to Chris, Roman Unmatched MMA, to Tempting Tory, to the homie Chisanga, to Miss Fight Diva, to Tom, Sandy, and my beloved Rhino Gang GC, Gino Gang, Rhino Gang, 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 Gang. Of course, the incredible fill and co-host today, our girl, the feature player, Drea. Thank you so much. How was it coming back after all this time, Drea? Definitely felt good. I missed it. <laughs> uh, we are certainly glad to have you back on the airways, my dear. We certainly, it felt, you know, it felt like home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it did. <laughs> <laughs> to the best engineer in the biz, to D. Reigns, to Dave French, the Iron Side of Graphic Design, who came up with yet another incredible fire poster. Dave French, don't miss. Check him out on Twitter and Instagram at Dave French. As we love to say around here, you know, it's tough out there. Be kind. Be be a nice person if you know when you're out in the streets. Be a nice person when you're at the store. Be a nice person at the restaurant. Be a nice person. You know what I mean? Be kind. Kindness is free. Um, you know, we want you guys to reach out to somebody you haven't maybe talked to in a while. Get a hold of an old friend or a family member. Reach out. Let them know you're thinking about them. Let them know you care. As we always say around here, love is greater than hate. 
and we will see you next week. Kate Sun!